0: Irreverent, entertaining, cool. You're listening
1: to L.A. Talk Radio.
0: You're listening to Animal News Magazine with Nancy DeFabio, only on L.A. Talk Radio. Sunday, March 1st, 2020. This week's stories, Asians must have their shark and fin soup. The truth about Ben and Jerry's not-so-happy cows. A Chinese-owned pork producer will sell ham to the federal government and more. Hello, I am William Mayoff.
2: And I am Nancy DeFabia with our producer, Dale Chadwick. Welcome to Animal News Magazine. This is a live radio show about animals. Topics range from animals in science to animals in entertainment to animals in religion to animals in agriculture. And animals play an important role in our daily lives. And this show is about topics involving animals, topics uh, that increase our knowledge and our understanding of the animal world. And from that knowledge, we can derive our own conclusions. This show is fact-based. Um, Our special guest today, really excited, Professor Peter Singer. He's a philosopher, a speaker, a very prolific author, and many of you will recognize his name. He is often credited with starting the animal, uh, the modern animal rights movement. Um, He actually stopped, from what I read, he stopped eating meat in 1971, which is just about the time, I think, I became a vegetarian. Um, so I'm really, really excited to have him on the show. No? A little later no, than that? No, I
0: think we can venture a little after that. So anyway, a little later than that. I'm
2: really excited to have him on the show. He's the laureate professor at the University of Melbourne. Uh, he has a position at Princeton University. Really, really looking forward to talking to this um, this intellectual genius. So...
0: I hope um, he's in touch with the home, because we want a status on all the beautiful creatures. And yes. he's, he's in the fires in Australia, so I hope he's I in touch he with the home. I think he lives in
2: Australia. I think he lives there. He might be there now. Um, but before we start the show, three pastors were having lunch together at a diner. And the first pastor said, you know, since summer started, I've been having a lot of trouble with mice in my church. I've tried everything, noise, spray, cats. Nothing seems to scare these mice away. The second pastor said, yeah, me too. I've gotten hundreds of mice living in the basement um, of my church. I've set traps, uh, called an expert to get rid of them. Of course, they were cruelty-free traps, um, and yet they still won't go away. So with a kind of a grin on his face, the third pastor said, I had the same problem. So what I did is I baptized all of, the, all of them, made the members of my church, and I haven't seen one back since.
0: That's great. <laughs> That's funny.
2: i <I'm> <laughs> delayed with the applause, but, but
0: anyway. They migrated to the other uh, guys, too. Yeah, yeah they don't so.
2: want to show up. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So anyway.
0: So uh, I hope everybody's taking appropriate steps to not spread this coronavirus crap, okay? Uh, we do know there was a rumor that a dog had it, but... Uh, It's been confirmed that the pets don't get these viruses. They don't get the corona COVID 19 virus. You know, the coronavirus is
2: a serious virus. And my focus is that just like SARS, it comes from animals, uh, I think from bats, both of them, SARS and the coronavirus comes from. So just stop eating these animals, stop taking them out of the wild. It's not natural, it's it's not intended.
0: Even if a few Chinese guys or gals went to that market and they ate weird stuff, yeah, it's beyond that now. It's already yeah, but across, it travels so right, it's the world over now. It's we the, should
2: not have to pay
0: right for, for
2: for for strange
0: eating habits,
2: eating habits, in, in Wunan, unnatural eating habits, cruel eating habits of people who are <laughs> it's destroying the world economy.
0: It's, it's really having its effect all around the world.
2: Yeah, so. Um, it's it this is a sign yeah. uh and and although although this coronavirus is still a little bit exaggerated, I think I think you have a better chance of dying from the flu than from this virus. it's still uh, i it at least it brings forward the topic that eating bats and wild civets is not really the way to go, you know maybe you should stick more to something that's uh something more less uh, poisonous to the body anyway, let's yeah. get on
0: with the news. What about 1,400 pounds of illegal shark fins discovered at at a port in Miami? What about the Miami port? February 14th, 2020. An illegal shipment of 1,400 pounds of dried shark fins, estimated to be worth around a million dollars, has been discovered at a port in Miami, Florida. The U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service reported that officials found the fins packed into 18 boxes, which were believed to have originated in South America. The body parts were likely to have been traveling from Asia, where they are primarily used to make shark fin soup.
2: Oh, yummy, yummy. Is your
0: mouth watering at oh, this point? Oh, it's
2: too much.
0: Yeah, tell me. This falsely declared shipment violated the Lacey Act, which bans illegal wildlife trade, and also contravened the Convention on International Trade in Endangered Species. No criminal charges have been announced, but investigation is ongoing. The shark fin trade is responsible for the deaths of up to 73 million sharks annually through finning, or the act of severing the fins from a shark and simply dumping the body back into the sea. You know, they have just abuse on sea, on land, on air, everything. All, it's all over the
2: place. All you over know, the place. Whatever the, the, There's the, no way out. I where don't the know. creatures
0: in the water, they're not safe in the air, on the ground. Unable to swim without their fins, the sharks are left to sink and suffocate. Bleeds to death or is be beaten alive. That's what else happens to them. This practice is illegal in the United States waters, but importing the fins is not illegal. So that's a hollow gesture. Right. The cartilage in the fins is usually shredded and used primarily to provide texture and thickening to shark fin soup, a traditional Chinese soup, or broth dating back to the Song Dang dynasty. The dish is considered a luxury item embodying notions of hospitality status and good fortune. So we need some uh, some training in the Chinese communities worldwide.
2: By the way, the Song Dynasty was from... Between 960 to 1279, right, so it was around that change. era. 960
0: to 1279. Right,
2: that about that era. Uh, so shark fin soup is prized in uh, Chinese culture. It has they claim that they claim? Obviously, it's not true. Hasn't been proven yet that it has scientific benefits. Like what? It's a belief to better skin, um, where, prevent where heart disease.
0: Where are these studies? They, they, I don't know. They, studies they, in China.
2: Studies in their Double own Chinese tests? basements. I don't know. Double
0: blind test. Talk about yeah. blind. Are you going to ask me, aren't you going to ask me why I'm not wearing any glasses?
2: Why oh, aren't you wearing because, glasses? Because we have some video
0: people in here and some photography people in here. If we're going to hit the web, and my glasses today are not very attractive. I wonder I who you, those people might be. Yeah, Mr. Dale, Dale Chadwick here. Yes, uh, I didn't say hello today. Good morning He to was you. busy
2: with the equipment. So, so today
0: is the day that I forgot to bring my Sophia well, Lorraine glasses, can, you, and, and so I'm not going to look spiffy and cool, so I decided to go blind here. For this, so you know, I might mispronounce. I've worn words. glasses. <laughs> we might create different conflicts around the world based upon me not being able to see what the hell I'm uh, going uh, over and reviewing. Anyway, this.
2: getting back to the shark thing, it's supposed to, they say it fights cancer. There's no scientific evidence to support this. It's a bunch uh, of
0: crap, and it's and, and you're just torturing now a sea animal here. These shark, the fins and sharks and then drowning yeah. and lots of things. And it moved. has it's it a has a butterfly story.
2: effect because. Parable. Uh, they, the the sharks. There, you know, they're in the. They play a vital role in the food chain. they're they If you decrease the shark population, even at a point when, well, just the decreasing them, you don't even have to make them extinct. It triggers the, the algae. They eat algae, so algae gets out of control.
0: But even if you're not uh, affecting the population, I think the they eat system, algae. Why so. torture the shark that way? That's the the issue. That actually we're no, all about. I
2: got it wrong. The smaller animals, such as scallops. They rely on sharks to eat their predators. So there is, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure what the effect is, but definitely by lowering the shark population, you're definitely causing an imbalance in well, the ocean point, waters.
0: Even if you're not affecting the shark population or the ecosystem, you're torturing the critters. Yeah. By, by denying them their fins.
2: Do we really know? need shark fin soup? Do we really, do no. we really need to survive?
0: Well, the Chinese community does. So when you guys eat Chinese food, go get that wonton soup stuff or the egg flour soup, especially egg flour. That's a little more vegetarian. You won't be killing sharks doing all those gross. Yeah, but things. it's still, you know, have a conscience. it's still,
2: a, it, I mean, I guess if you're going to, they're just varying, in my head, they're just varying levels of cruelty. It's cruelty, you know, all the way up and down, but the levels of cruelty vary. That's all.
0: So, Nancy, we have a skill testing question along the way, keeping this immediate keeping it real, keeping this tangible so people can relate. All everyone orders all this junk from China and Chinese packaging, Chinese items, and now we have this you know, this this COVID nineteen coronavirus. So true or false, can you get the coronavirus? Which they're not sure, by the way, even though you recover from the coronavirus, they're not sure if it leaves any markings or scars on your lungs, by the way. But so can you get it from the packaging, all this good Chinese packaging that we order on Amazon and whatnot? Can you get it from the packaging? Uh,
2: I No, Dr. I don't Nancy? think so, because too much time has passed between the shipment and the right delivery. Right you are.
0: Where's the applause? <laughs> there you go, Nancy. Kudos, Dr. Nancy. Yeah. Hey, what a dog barking. Good. One bark. I like that. Two barks. All right. Uh, in other news. In other news. For 42 years. Yes, 42 years, Ben & Jerry's claimed its ice cream came from happy cows. But when the claim was recently challenged in court, the company finally withdrew that claim. In January, Ben and Jerry's told a federal judge that it has removed a statement from its labels claiming that its ice cream came from happy cows. The company also said it had wiped the faces of the cows on its packaging, leaving them with no discernible expression. They did not look happy to begin with, the ice cream maker and its parent company Unilever said in a recent court filing.
2: They actually, in a court file, yeah, they didn't look happy in the first place, so we just took off that look. Unbelievable.
0: Yeah. I think dogs smile. I don't think cows smile.
2: Well, they, I, I don't know what the... Maybe they had a little bit of a smile, of uh, an artificial rendering, you know, drawing. I don't know.
0: But maybe someone could research that for us, whether, whether cows...
2: Well, I just have to go to Google Images and see what Ben and Jerry's cow looks like, but it's gone now. Maybe they're old. uh... I
0: didn't know that. So the news came in the company's response to a class action lawsuit filed in October, which accused the Vermont based ice cream maker and parent company Unilever. Doesn't Unilever make soap?
2: Yeah, they own a lot of things, like Dr. and Gamble. Wow, wow. They're into everything. Of
0: misleading consumers. The complaint alleged that only a small portion of its ingredients in the ice cream came from local farms that participate in its Caring Dairy Program, which promotes animal welfare and environmental standards. The company argued it never claimed its ingredients were sourced exclusively from happy cows. Instead of standing by Ben and Jerry's claims regarding high-quality animal care, and sustainable practices in court Unilever argued that no reasonable consumer would believe that all the milk used in Ben & Jerry's ice cream comes from farms with more humane practices than ordinary farms what so even coppa. though they put it on the
2: carton now we're just no, you're, you're not going to believe coppa. what we say right terrible
0: terrible i wonder if that's going to affect Bernie's campaign because he's a Vermont Senator.
2: I don't think so. Yeah? I don't think it's going to affect his campaign. Okay. Unless he runs around saying eating Ben and Jerry's Happy ice cream. Cows. Yeah.
0: <laughs> okay. To consumers, Ben and Jerry's projects images of cows on rolling green hills on every package of ice cream and flaunts its caring dairy, quote unquote, program across its website and social media. The company's statement comes after being sued twice for deceiving consumers about its animal welfare policies. The case is similar to a class action lawsuit filed by the Organic Consumers Association against the company in July 2018, which alleged deceptive labeling, marketing, and sales. Any comments, Nancy?
2: Oh, I have so many comments. First one, first, um,
0: that bums us out with Ben and Jerry's.
2: They filed the motion to dismiss in the last lawsuit, which was filed in 2018. They filed the motion to dismiss. The motion was uh, rejected. And this one, they filed the motion to dismiss January 13. I guess this was, they removed all the, uh, the, the faces of supposed happy cla- cows and the language on the cart. And hopefully that the judge will dismiss the action. But I don't know how that works. Because the allegation I mean, you can't retroactively erase damages that happened prior to the correction of the well, lies. What are the
0: damages the uh, the folks are? Claiming. Well, you're
2: false advertising. You're 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 you're, you're claiming that these are cows that come from cruelty-free milk or or sustainable milk, and it's not true. It just comes from the regular.
0: So they're no farming
2: no, industry that we know no of. Milk,
0: than any other uh, milk producing uh, yeah. entity? Yeah,
2: but you know the, the, their strategy is saying, oh, you know, the, just because we write it doesn't mean people are going to rely on it. It's not; the, they're not the first company to do that. Nellie's Eggs, which, by the way, i never heard of Nellie's Eggs. It's just one of the most prominent. Um, well, it's also because I don't need eggs, I guess. They're the most prominent free range egg brand. Where what um, region? I don't know. I, we I don't have know.
0: to let, because we have listeners all over the world. Yes, we Czech do. Czech Republic, Iran. I know, Iran,
2: Mexico, Mexico. I know. But I think this would be uh, in the U.S., Nellie's eggs. Anyway.
0: Kiev, the Ukraine?
2: I, I don't, um, we probably have from the Ukraine, but it's I haven't wonderful. heard from them yet. we got to
0: get some Italian folks to do We with. have
2: Italian listeners. Now, doing? Yes, well, we do. They're
0: Italian. God bless them.
2: Because
0: um, I'm, I'm worrying about them, Northern Italy, and all this coronavirus crap.
2: Anyway, let me finish with Nellie's eggs. Please. Okay. They argued that the label, they have a label on their egg carton saying, blue sky above, green grass below. And so when they were confronted with this, they said, well, it doesn't say anything about whether the hens are actually outside in the grass on sunny days. It just says, blue sky above, green grass below. So what are you supposed to infer from it this?
0: Is so it's just,
2: it's Can space. you believe this is yeah. the best it's argument they had? Right. They said, well, you know, ad, are, the advertising is not a factual claim. I'm quoting, it's not factual that could, consumers should bomb, rely
0: on. It sounds like it's outdoor, free-range, you know. Even watch out for
2: Whole Foods. Watch out for Whole Foods. You go there, sustainable, local grown, blah, blah, blah. Um, that... Um, for Whole Foods, actually, for example, said that its representations, said this recently, do not mean that its meat is treated more humanely than industry standards. Industry standards no, no, are horrible. It's It's a barbaric. It's inhumane. It, it's unheard of. And they say, well, don't, you know, our representations don't mean that the meat is, tre- I'm mean, pointing them, that the meat is treated more humanely than industry standards.
0: Don't make those inferences no, with regards Stoll, to Whole Foods.
2: Dave D I E S T L Family Ranch is one of the Whole Foods star meat suppliers, the main suppliers yes, of Whole yes. Foods. Listen and it's argued that its ads were not misleading because there is no standard for measuring whether something is thoughtful or unthoughtful, sustainable or unsustainable, farm or factory, and or family or large business. I don't even understand what this means. It's like yes, so there is a difference this. between sustainable and not sustainable.
0: So don't expect just because you are buying from Whole Foods doesn't mean they care anything more about or the the process, the slaughter of their animals.
2: You do do your research when you go to Whole Foods. Ask so, the butcher. So call the corporate headquarters. say just are. Do you still do you still buy meat they, from? Do you still have Family Ranch? How can check
0: on that? The packaging and all that. How can they go ahead and check?
2: You call Short the of it corporate headquarters.
0: Plant-based beyond burger and light life. That's air, fine, light, light, you
2: know. You, but do the best you can. In, if you have to have your chicken impossible. or your steak, make sure that at least it's, to tell
0: the list how they can make sure.
2: You call the Whole Foods people
0: in Iran. How are they going to make sure when they're being you call and the hand corporate hand
2: headquarters of Whole Foods and you say, hey, when I go to your store in uh, wherever in Irving, Texas, and I want to pick up a pound of. Uh, ribs or whatever where do the ribs come from or chicken or pork where do, and if and, and then you research the farm Let that we, it comes yes. from we
0: invite somebody to come here uh, on our show from uh, Whole Foods and Trader Joe's we love Trader Joe's right Nancy
2: yes well the I founder
0: be- of Trader Joe's just passed away a few days ago
2: oh I didn't know that
0: 89 years old wow well he, uh, he was a
2: very successful businessman yes. that's for sure yes um, So, uh, and I have more to talk, I have so much more to say about this, but we have more stories to cover. So uh,
0: So don't you, we want you to think, we we have a thinking, listening audience, very attentive, very intellectually sharp audience, so don't just think that because it's a hippie-ish kind of. Whole Foods that they're good to animals.
2: I was shocked yeah, when I read you know, this.
0: Now they're all weaseling out of it, uh, you know. So you want to you want to hold their feet to the fire. And actually, Whole if you Foods don't believe places, me,
1: yeah.
2: and I'm not even asking people to believe me, I I'm am, asking people to take I that am. information and to 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 go to the take the next step. Call Whole Foods. Call the the, the, the farm, the 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 ranch For where websites, these animals are supposedly to, raised.
0: Call them up. But what about going to the webpage?
2: Yep, but the thing is, the 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 web will lie. Also, they'll have blue grass and blue skies and green grass.
0: What about this? Go to go to PETA, and go PETA and punch in Whole Foods and all these places. Yeah. Then PETA will will blow the whistle on I these. Places. I mean, there
2: are ways to find out. Right there are ways to then? to get your information. Yes. Okay. What's what's going on next? Miss
0: Newkirk, Ingrid Newkirk. What about U.S. pork producer Smithfield Foods, which is owned by the Chinese conglomerate that says it all? Right. W.H. Group, they'll sell 144 pounds worth of ham products to the federal government as part of the Trump administration's bailout program. The Agriculture Department is purchasing pork and other commodities from U.S. farmers to help offset the damages from retaliatory tariffs imposed by China last summer after the United States slapped tariffs of $250 billion worth of Chinese goods in 2019. The United States tariffs were designed to cut the U.S. trade deficit with China. In July 2019, the Agriculture department announced a $12 billion aid package for U.S. farmers hurt by retaliatory tariffs from China. The program includes $1.2 billion worth of products from farmers, including more than $500 million from pork producers. The administration stated that the relief is a necessary short-term measure to help farmers withstand the trade war. The Agriculture Department said last month that Smithfield qualified for the bailout money noting that the agency would be purchasing only goods produced in the United States. So it sounds good on the surface, Nancy. Smithfield Foods has a major presence in Missouri, including 140 company on pig farms, feed mills, and production facilities in Milan. Milan where? No,
2: Milan, uh, Missouri.
0: There you go. And Princeton. The USDA's Central Communications Office said agent, said the agency could not control whether federal money given to the U.S. subsidies would enrich their Chinese owners. Smaller hog producers have expressed anger over the possibility of money flowing to foreign-owned businesses.
2: You know, there's... Um so the White House created this bailout program. Unilaterally, they did not need congressional approval because it's under. They did it under rarely used farm programs from the Great Depression. So, um, I, I, for those of you who don't know, Trump announced in August of two thousand nineteen that he was going to impose a ten percent tariff on China on uh, because of the three hundred billion dollar uh, Chinese imports that we have. So the. Um, the tariffs were started on September first, and, and these
0: are the consequences and aftereffects of all the And four days tariffs. later, the tariffs aren't making the news so much now, but these are the ramifications. Right. So correct. four
2: days later, the yeah. Chinese Commerce Ministry announced that China was going to halt the imports of the American goods. So it's like a, China, a Mexican showdown. You're going to put tariffs on me. I'm going to let. I'm not going to let goods into my country. So, yeah. so they said, well, we got to help these. Um, Hog farmers that subsidize, subsidize them right. because they are not selling. China's not buying right. the pigs. So the first poem is that. Okay. But then I read a story about a senator. Her, her name is Senator Deb Fisher. She's also, by coincidence, a cattle rancher in Nebraska. She's in the Nebraska, the Nebraska Senate, and she has tabled legislation called the Real Meat Act because she said that people are deceived when they go to buy, let's say, hamburger meat. Uh, they don't know if it's real meat or not real meat. And they can, so you need to put like big signs on there that this the is fake is plant, meat plant and that it contains all these plant. weird ingredients, blah, blah, blah. And I'm thinking, so if you're a cattle rancher, whether you're in the Senate or not the Senate, you could lobby to the point where you can have somebody in government subsidize your ranch or your friend's ranch or your cousin's ranch without even going through Congress, without even getting Congressional approval. They could do that them. is not good. Uh, and there are a lot of cattle ranchers that? who are... Who are get are,
0: subsidies without going through Congress. That's what you're you saying. Don't,
2: you don't go through Congress. Now, secondly, it's all fine and good. Say, so well, you know, we got to help the farmers because we've got these tariffs, blah, blah, blah. But you know that in 2017, way before, okay, we imposed these tariffs on China... We, we, the federal government, the U.S. federal government dispersed to only livestock um, ranchers, livestock farms, $447,720,000 just because, just because. And don't you think that some of these people know senators or congressmen or other people in government who can influence the decision? Of, of a, uh, so there doesn't
0: seem to be any checks and balances there.
2: It's no, no checks and balances, right. so um it's not uh it's not good. Anyway.
0: We have we need a mechanism to go ahead and, and monitor or stop it or correct it. So we need you to assist us in doing that, this lay folk.
2: Actually we have some good news. This next story is good news, which is we're gonna end before we call Professor uh Singer. So yeah.
0: The so, good news? Yeah, this well, is... Well, one piece of good news is there was an owl, I forget his name. I think his name was Pound, something like that. He had a broken collarbone or shoulder. I didn't oh. know if the birds or owls had any skeletal structure like that. And, and he was nursed back to good health, this owl.
2: Oh, another it's owl. Not I mean, it's not, not the fat, fat owl. Guy. It's, it's not, not the fat guy owl. from last yeah. time. Okay.
0: Okay? But this guy had a busted shoulder, and he was cured or nursed back, and he's now...
2: Fine. Oh, good. I'm so happy He's to hear that. I all, love owls. All the wiser. Yeah, they're, they're all, all, the the wiser. Wiser. <laughs> all
0: the wiser. This month, the United States Department of Agriculture, USDA, restored pertinent animal welfare records under its Searchable Animal and Plant Health Inspection Services Public Database, otherwise known as AFIS, for a period of at least three years. In February 2017, the USDA removed the AFIS records without warning, citing privacy concerns. The records document animal facility inspections, animal consensus, the consensus, what do you give me these hard words for, and other required reports under the Animal Welfare Act and Horse Protections Act, and serve as an important resource for animal rights groups and concerned citizens for information about the number and species of animals that are exploited in the U.S. The USDA was required to restore AFIS records under the newly passed Consolidated Appropriations Act of 2020, shortly after the 2017 AFIS database blackout, a group of animal rights organizations, including PETA, Physicians Committee for Responsible Medicine, And Beagle Freedom Project, I say the Beagle Freedom Project because the Beagles are just so beautiful and adorable, filed the lawsuit against the USDA alleging that it violated FOIA, the Freedom of Information Act, which requires federal agencies to make all records released under FOIA electronically available to the public. Making these documents available to taxpayers is a critically important step to providing transparency about the facilities, Violate the Federal Animal Welfare Act and very often abuse vulnerable animals.
2: Yeah, prior to the uh, database blackout, the agency had been required to publish documents uh, related to inspections of laboratories, roadside zoos, puppy mills. But they said no. They're, gonna, they, they, they're going to they they we're going to you know install this blackout to protect the actual um, owner of the puppy mill or the roadside zoo or the lab, and so. Uh, the purpose of the law is to protect the animals, I think, and uh, not so much the interests of the people who abuse them. In any event, so that was lifted, so now we're back to normal again. And uh, you know, it, and for example, a lot of we did a show many months ago about how the Amish community was abusing puppies, and this information comes from these records. These are very, very important records. Animal rights groups need these records. Just regular people who want to go adopt a dog or. For some it's buying a, you know, a purebred dog, you want to do your research. You want to do your homework. You want to know if this puppy mill is um, legitimate.
0: And it's been restored the information.
2: Yeah, circuses. Oh my goodness, some of them have rap sheets. All you know, all the all the way up to, to, to Egypt. And so these records are very important for a private citizen and for uh, nonprofits who want to uh, file.
0: Um, and we have lists uh, in Egypt too, by the way.
2: Um uh, we Carlo. might I in don't
0: Alexandria. know Alexandria. There's a nice town in Alexandria where the River Nile is.
2: Yeah, where the River Nile. Yes.
0: Cleopatra.
2: So do you think we have time for uh, a a quick story and then we'll hop on the call with uh, Professor Singer? Let's let's talk uh, let's What
0: about the camels? That's a good yeah. lead in for Australia.
2: Yeah, let's try. Okay, yeah. Let's okay. do this.
0: Cuz Australia is one of my favorite countries. I'm not just saying this as a guess as for Mr. Mr. Singer, Professor Singer. 10,000 camels to be killed for drinking too much water in Australia. Meanwhile, 26.6 million cattle are being raised. Is that an accurate story? Yeah, they they have camels in Australia.
2: Yes, they have. They were imported. They're not. They're not. uh, It's not their natural habitat.
0: Well, I I think that. uh
2: so sharpshooters from helicopters will soon be killing more than 10,000 camels to keep them from consuming the already scarce water supplies that they have in South oh. Australia. So we'll be calling the we'll be trying again with Professor Singer. So between the drought and the wildfires the decision to call the animals was was made following an order believe it or not from Aboriginal leaders on the Anangu Yanku something lands. Well what
0: about a legislature in Australia? The aboriginal, I don't know about that, but But what the prime minister? What about the upper brass? Hello. Professor, a warm welcome. Let's hope it irons itself out there. Yeah, thank you for
2: taking the time. So I'm Nancy DeFabio with my co-host William Mayoff, and you're live on Animal News Magazine. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us.
0: Yes, and, and it is... You're very welcome. Oh, we appreciate it so much. And it's March the 1st. Yes. 2020. Um... How many hours ahead or behind? Forgive my, uh, my.
1: I'm. I'm. Um, so you're in LA, right? I'm in 19 hours ahead of you, so it's uh, well into March the second here. Oh, March second. Okay. You're, you're, so right. you're, you're, already,
0: you're lagging like, behind, guys. Sorry. So you're Monday. At what time? Yeah, we're, we're Monday. We're Sunday.
1: Monday 9:30 a.m.
0: 9:30 a.m. Monday. That's okay. One day I'll c- put my mind around that. Nancy, fire away. Warmest welcome to you. Go ahead, Nancy. So
2: you're. Um you're very respected in, uh, in, you know, among people who support animal rights, even animal welfare. And you're credited, as I said at the beginning of the show, with, with starting the modern animal rights movement. I mean, when when nobody, people were hardly talking about it. So I think you're the best expert, the best person to explain to us what exactly is speciesism
1: yeah speciesism is the idea that our attitudes to other species are in some ways parallel to the attitudes that we're familiar with that um, Europeans had to Africans for example in the days of the slave trade um, or that um, men have had to women uh, in times when they thought that they had the right to control women's uh, bodies and their lives Uh, you know we, we know those attitudes as as racism and sexism and we reject those even if they're unfortunately not completely gone but but we certainly reject the most blatant examples of them like the slave trade Uh, and so uh, the point of referring to our attitudes to animals as speciesism is to say just as in those instances you had one dominant powerful group of beings who Essentially, gave themselves all of the rights and, and superior moral status that entitled them to exploit or dominate the others that they classified as inferior. And uh, today, uh, we are still doing the same if we think of the group, the dominant, most powerful group, as human beings, and the group that we're exploiting and regarding as uh, inferior, as not having any rights or moral status, is all of non-human animals uh, and uh, you know, I, I think that we're not justified in doing that we can't assume that because a being is not a member of our species, therefore that being doesn't count, therefore its pain matters less or not at all compared to the pain of humans uh, that it doesn't have any rights uh, that's all a set of assumptions that we make on this basis of just uh, assigning ourselves moral superiority and uh, denying that to other sentient beings who can suffer and feel pain as we can
2: and why do we do that I mean as humans can't we can't we dig into like one ounce of compassion and or or, or, or are we ever going to be evolved enough to agree with that that perception with that how do we is it ever going? Are we ever going to be uh, a, a world of or of people who don't eat animals anymore? Don't use them for entertainment or for other purposes? Do you think it's ever going to happen?
1: Look, I do think that we've made moral progress over the centuries, and I think the fact that uh, you know we've abolished slavery—at um, least, you know, we've outlawed it officially. It's 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 not legal anywhere in the world. Um, that. Uh, We recognize the equality of of all humans, irrespective of their race or their gender. Uh, So I think that that suggests that we can make moral progress, although it takes a long time. Mm. Uh, And I think we can make moral progress with regard to non-human animals as well. But it's a very fundamental change when you consider that most humans have uh, been eating non-human animals uh, all of their lives and that becomes part of their culture and tradition and to change that certainly isn't easy but uh, but I am optimistic that uh, we're working slowly in that direction Very
0: good Professor, when did you first get these ideas? Not in 71 when you became a vegetarian when did you first can you tell us kind of a bracket in time? William yeah, it's around yet.
1: that time uh, 1970, 71 Uh okay. I was a graduate student uh, at Oxford University at that time studying ethics and philosophy and just by accident I happened to sit next to a Canadian uh, student who was a vegetarian and now you know today you wouldn't think there's anything unusual about that but uh, in 1970 uh i was 24 years old and i don't think i'd ever met a vegetarian that i'd had a serious conversation with um probably the only vegetarian i'd met was somebody who'd come from india with a hindu background and that wasn't really something i could relate to very much uh there were very few vegetarians but um this uh, student his name was richard keshin uh was already a vegetarian and when i asked him why um you know, he basically just said that he didn't think that the uh, we were entitled to treat animals the way that the animal uh, whose flesh was then on my plate had been treated. Uh, and that did stop, stop me and make me think about, you know, well, is this justified? I've been doing this all my life, but I've never really thought about it. I've just done it because everyone else does it. Uh, so that got me reading and thinking about it and uh, led to me within a month or so becoming a vegetarian.
0: Well wow. you you were ahead of your time those days I okay. I, I too am a, an optimist uh, and I keep mentioning every other show the progress. Nancy's a vegan. I'm a vegetarian. The, 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 I don't know what they have in Australia. I, I, I truly hope. You guys, you're, 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 where are you? On the east coast of Australia? There's Sydney and those places? Yeah, well, Melbourne, Melbourne, which
1: is kind of the southeast corner here.
0: Thank you so much. Okay. Well, you know, they've come by leaps and, me- and bounds in North America. They have Beyond Meat. They have uh, Impossible Burgers. They really do have simulated meat products that are just wonderful. They, uh, unbelievable. Yeah, yeah we,
1: we have a lot of those uh, here in Australia too now. Um, Right. So, um, there's so, a big, you know, every supermarket has a has a vegan or plant-based section. There so there's there's no problem in getting right. uh, yeah, that, that, plant-based foods here.
0: And so there's nothing to miss. You don't have to miss the growth hormones, the antibiotics, the cysts, the carcinogens. And if you have a little bit of compassion for the animals or for other species, you can have some respect and you could have less hypocrisy when you're going to watch the beautiful Disney animated features and Academy Award winning movies and you can, you know, treat the lions and the cats and doggies and you you see we can have a consistency so I'm optimistic and what you thought of was like an aberration by this Canadian sitting next to you in in 71, I think we've come a long way, But, but 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 I don't know why it's not more per- pervasive. Well, I mean
2: it's moving, you know, snail pace. But uh, but I think we are making some progress. So um, another question is, what is the most important uh, part of animal abuse? The most important area of animal abuse.
1: Well, I think it's it's really what we're talking about. It is the raising and uh, slaughtering of animals for food. Um, partly that's just because, in terms of the numbers it really dwarfs all of the other uses of animals you know a lot of people are concerned about the use of animals in in research and and quite rightly so because horrible things happen to animals in research but you know probably we're talking about 1 or 200 million animals a year worldwide being used in research which is certainly a lot of animals but right think of the number of animals raised for food it's according to the united nations its last figure i saw was 74 billion oh my so that's like 740 times as many as as uh the animals used in research if it's 100 million of you know a little bit you know anyway it's 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 hundreds of times more than the numbers of animals used in research or in the fur industry uh or in entertainment uh or you know abused and stray dogs and cats we're talking about you know different orders of magnitude here um and it's also you know some people think well you know they have decent lives but they just get slaughtered at the end but it's it's no longer like that because the great majority of them are indoors all their lives in factory farms they're incredibly crowded um they're not really considered as individuals they're just You know, so many thousands of them that uh, they're just a cog in the machine, really, uh, with not much thought given for their welfare at all. So um, it's 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 really a vast area of suffering that uh, I think is the most important of all of the animal issues.
2: Also, to have somebody at work. she loves animals, she loves rabbits, she has two dogs, she's, you know, we, we really get along, uh, yes, we're always talking about my cats and her dogs, and, and she's very compassionate, and yet, she can't make the connection, um, she still eats chicken, she still eats eggs and cheese and all that, so should people who care for animals, do they, do they have to be vegan or vegetarian, or I mean, how, how does that work?
1: Well I certainly think that you know the first step is if you care about animal suffering at all don't buy anything that comes from a factory farm so you know you mentioned eggs for example so the majority of eggs are still produced from uh, hens that are confined indoors all their lives Um, most of them still in very small wire cages some of them just on, on the floor of the barns but they're They're all very crowded, uh, and that's all factory farm products. But now, if you do feel you can't do without eggs, you can get free-range eggs, you know, eggs from hens who can walk outside on on pasture, on grass. And that's, you know, I could understand people saying, yeah, I think that gives them a decent life. The same with, with eating chicken, you know, chicken is, again, almost all factory farm more than 99% of the chicken wow. sold in the United States wow. comes from these very crowded birds uh, pretty miserable lives they're bred to grow very fast they they put on so much weight that their legs aren't really mature enough to bear them and experts who've looked at this say that they're in pain just from standing up all the time wow. uh, so yeah I, I think you know to say you're eating chicken as if somehow that's not as bad as eating beef or, or pork or something Appreciate is, is completely wrong I think it's yeah. it's really a a lot of suffering involved in every bite of that
2: so there's a professor i don't know if you heard i think he's professor Francioni from uh, pennsylvania and he coined this term called moral schizophrenia and i think that's what this is all about is like you love your dog but then you look at a chicken or at a or a pig uh, in a different way you
0: have to see chickens and their hamburgers as fluffy and fido and not, not make a mental separation that so, is very so
2: are they really compassionate? I don't know if they're, I mean, it's selective compassion. I don't. I just it's
1: selective, exactly. You're right. It's selective compassion, you know, and we know that throughout history people can be compassionate to some that they identify with or regard as sort of, you know, part of us who we are, and then they can be very cruel to others who are outside that. They right. like we, that in professor. differentiating human beings, and they do like that in differentiating different species of animals as well
0: professor help us through your wisdom over the years help us help us how do we make a difference you know how do we make a difference how do we get a global tidal wave of this stuff for it to happen sooner than later what do we do
1: yeah well you know be an advocate for animals uh wherever you are which which doesn't mean that you sort of pre-chat and lecture all your friends you know you don't want to become a bore but right. um, especially if you if you are um, a, a vegetarian or a vegan um, and you, you you make it clear because eating is a social act we often do with others and as I say that's that's how I learned about this uh, 45 years almost 50 years ago now um, so uh, you know do that and and be an example and people will ask you about what you're eating and explain to them sort of not as I say not preaching but in a calm considered way why you don't think that it's right to be eating animals Uh, and I think you know in that way you can contribute uh, and get get with one of the animal welfare organizations there are a lot of good ones um, there's now a website called Animal Charity Evaluators, which helps you to evaluate wow. which are the best and most yeah, effective that's... animal uh, charity organisations to support. So you can do something that way as well. That's important what's,
0: too. What's the name of that again? Animal Charity Evaluator. What's yeah. it called? Yeah, Animal Charity. That's
1: right. Yeah, if you you can just find them online, I think it's just Animal Do you have a um, website? Uh, uh, do
0: you have a website that uh, people can uh, support you and your activities and your pursuits too? I mean. You seem very saintly as well, and we appreciate it. Do you have a website? Yeah,
1: um, so I have my own personal website, which is peter.singer.info, um, where people can find out, you know, more about my writings and my books and works and so on. But uh, yeah, if you want to find out about the best animal charities, just go to animalcharityevaluators.org. Um, and that will be uh, useful and they'll recommend you know, a number of other organizations that are worth supporting um, that uh, you can then go to their websites and find more you can do from them.
0: So before we let you go, Professor, we can't let him go. We're no. going to kidnap this guy. We're not letting He's him. He's a little too far to be We're kidnapped. We're kidnapping him, Nancy. Nancy, hold on to that. Can you hold on to your question? I'm going to hold on
2: to my question. Professor,
0: I'm a very emotional kind of guy. Okay, <laughs> forgive my informality and all this. Professor, we see these terrible, heart wrenching well, not immediately, but we did the past few weeks, obviously, the horrible fires in Australia, and the, 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 the you know the world beloved the koalas. Yeah. And the the poor there's no words to see the koala on fire and that lady the bicyclist coming taking a little oh. water bottle off her bicycle spritzing the the poor little koala burning just a terrible savage yeah. pictures of these cute little specimens burning alive can you give us an update since you're there and it's in your backyard and all that we have a little bit of drizzle how are the animals are they endangered can you give us some kind of update please
1: Yeah, the the fires are now basically out. It's taken a long time. Some of them were burning for weeks, but um, we did get a change in the weather, which certainly helped. And, of course, we got a lot of dedicated firefighters working very hard to to put them out, even in quite remote areas. Um, So it's not happening anymore but certainly many of the animals have died uh, in these fires i've seen estimates as many as a billion animals have oh, have God. died and some of them are suffering and others that may have survived the fires don't have anything to eat because everything has been burnt so um you know people are helping but it's a difficult situation uh, as i say some of these areas are quite remote and hard to get into and uh uh, you know, I think you, 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 rather than deal with the symptoms, we really need to deal with the root causes. And you know, I think in Australia now, after this summer, nobody has any doubt that the climate has changed. That we've had drier and hotter weather than we've had before. Areas have burnt that have never been burnt before, that they used to be just too wet to burn. Hmm. So I think, uh, you know, Australia uh, and all of the other nations of the world have a responsibility to say that we're damaging our planet, we're we're damaging it for ourselves and our children and also for all of the non-human animals on it and we need to really stop this.
2: So one final question before we let you go, Professor, even though we'd like to talk to you all day. One of the... Pro- well, I think the root problem with all this uh, animal abuse and animals being used in so many ways by humans is that there's this distinction between property and persons. So property have certain... It uh, has a status, and persons have a different status. And, you know, there's uh, there's a an attorney, Professor, Professor Wise, I think, he's called... He has this project called the Chimp Project. And... Um, So so he wants, uh, I think they're chimps, to be considered as persons, and this is before the courts. So do you, would you consider, um, would you, do you think that uh, chimpanzees should have uh, the legal status of persons?
1: Yes, this is a very interesting effort. This is uh, Stephen Wise, who is somebody I've known for many years. Um, And uh, he's calling it actually the Non-Human Rights Project. Right. which is like a civil rights organization trying to achieve legal rights for uh some non-human animals starting with chimpanzees as our closest relatives and also the animals who we can know through the wonderful research done by people like jane goodall we we can know that they are thoughtful beings who you know have a rich emotional lives, strong connections with uh, others in their families and social groups and um, that they are also capable of planning things, you know, that they're they're. Uh, so I think that's a good place to start and I certainly wish him success, I think it's it's good to bridge this gap between humans and animals and say we are not the only beings who have um, legal status of persons, there are non-human persons as well Um, I quite agree with that uh, so yes I definitely support this effort and it's another another good animal charity that is definitely worth supporting
0: is there a book or something you want to promote please plug something uh, Whatever, don't you have you a you new want. book out something about poverty I believe please.
1: Uh, I have also been working on human poverty yes that's uh, an issue that I've uh, con- I'm concerned about the suffering of human beings, of course, as well as non-human animals. Well, Absolutely. it's a good thing there's uh, no
0: poverty in the United States. So oh, yeah, none whatsoever, yeah.
1: But, <laughs> right, yeah. but I, I'm mostly looking at poverty in uh, in low-income countries because it is more extreme than poverty in the United States. You know, People living on uh, less than $2 a day uh, is really a, a form of poverty that barely exists in the United States. I wouldn't say it doesn't at all, but um,
0: and these it's something that we can all do
1: something about. Um, these and, people are more likely uh, to I, approach sorry, and all. Sorry, sorry. Um,
2: I'm saying these people are more likely to go out into the woods and poach tigers and lions and what have you. Are they you.
0: exploited? Do they make goods for sale in the U.S.? or? Well, sure. If
1: people Europe? if people are starving you, they're going to eat whatever they can find to eat. There's no doubt about that. And you can't really expect them to protect wild animals and not uh, kill and eat them if, if they're hungry. So in a way, we've got to deal with all these problems. Um, and I just do want to tell your, your listeners that I, I have a book called The Life You Can Save, which is about global poverty. And I uh, updated it just uh, last year and this year brought out a new edition of it which yeah, your listeners can download for free either as a, an e-book or uh, if they want to listen to it as an audio book mm-hmm. uh, and they can get that from thelifeyoucansave.org which is a, a charity that I helped to found. Uh, and if you go to the lifeyoucansave.org, you'll get a link to, to download, uh, as I say, either the e book or the audio book, uh, absolutely free.
0: Fantastic. Fantastic. Professor
2: Singer, thank you so much for, t- for taking and the time to talk to you. can't
0: let he agrees to come back, and that's genuine. That, come on, He's a
2: very busy man, but back, I will please. reach out to you another time. Maybe we can do a part two. I would, we would really for appreciate sure
1: we'll it. For sure we a part two. Just yeah. to connect Okay, I hope we, we can do that sometime. I really Great appreciate it. Great to talk to you and to uh, have the chance to talk to your listeners as well. Thank, thank you very so much, thank Professor Singer. Thank you, Bye-bye. Professor. Bye-bye. Okay, bye. bye. bye.
2: Thank what you, people, for, for this time you spent with us. This was a great conversation wow. that we had. Um, so this is all the time we have. Have a Nancy, good rest of the day. Nancy, your shows are so
0: warm and fuzzy and beautiful. And we'll
2: see you soon because we're again over time, and we and don't want to get hands admonished. Thank ca- you. Wash your hands. Wash
0: your hands. Wash your hands no Bye-bye. coronavirus. Ciao, Thanks, ciao. everybody. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. You're listening to Animal News Magazine with Nancy DeFabio, only on LA Talk Radio.